Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Thanks so much for joining us at the star of the show. As always, is the award-winning sports columnist, Greg Doyle. What's up, man? You look cold. I am cold. I'm sitting by my window in my apartment, uh, so I'm by the walls. The walls here are very thin. Um, it's tough. <laughs> this is a cheap apartment. The air's coming in. It comes from the windows. Um, if you actually saw the links I went to around here, to keep my place relatively warm, it's it's pathetic. And then I so I'm not going to keep my heater up at 70 because it's just I can run the heat all night long to do that. I, I keep it in the mid 60s, and I'm I'm in my toboggan and my heavy coat and all that, and that's just the way it goes in the winter. Dumb question because I don't have a ton of hair, but you know, obviously you keep it pretty clean on top. Do you have to wear knit caps most of the time in the winter? Like, do, do, does it get noticeably colder when you don't have hair up there? Oh, it's brutal. It's yeah. brutal. You know, some people wear knit caps because I guess they like the look or whatever. And I know that Edge, the Edge from U2, that was his thing. And and I actually tried to make it my thing back when I cared about that sort of thing about 15 years ago. <laughs> Didn't like it. Anyway, um, yeah, it's if it's below – look, if it's below about 50, I'm wearing one. I, bald people know. Bald people out there, they're nodding their head because all your heat is con- contained and goes to the top of your head. Yeah. That's a fact, and uh, especially once you kind of—I'm like a head case. Once you know that fact, and once you know that you're bald, and you have a bald spot right in the middle of all that baldness, um, yeah, you wear hats a whole lot. <laughs> Let's talk about another fact, and that's that the, the Colts aren't getting Matthew Stafford, who we spent a lot of time on over the last—I don't know—seven to ten days. He goes to the Rams in a blockbuster trade. Also, Jared Goff involved in that trade. So, you know, I, I don't know if the Colts are really linked to Goff at all, but that's essentially two quarterbacks that potentially were out there that the Colts aren't going to be able to get. Um, where do they go from here now, Greg? Is is it still, in your eyes, do you still think it's a veteran, or do you believe now that it goes to the draft and potentially even trading up in the draft? I think it's going to have to be a veteran. That That's going to be so much easier. It's going to be so much less expensive, and frankly, so much more ready to win now. You know, they could trade up in the draft and trade away big chunks of their future. What we're seeing is is the value of quarterbacks is rising, and it's always been high. I mean, I'm not an idiot. It's always been the most valuable position, but now the value of quarterbacks, which means the value of trading up. I don't know about Jimmy Johnson's point, you know, his whole point value thing for the draft. I suspect we're going to see this year. Every draft that trades up will, will he's going to be wrong. It's going to be it's increased the higher up because everybody knows those are quarterbacks you're trying to trade up for, and it's different. So. I just think that the Colts want to have a pretty decent season next year. It's going to be somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick, somebody like that. Um, there's another veteran I'm, I'm losing, I'm thinking of, uh, not Andy Dalton, but somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they're going to ride it out, and if it works, great, and if it doesn't work, then you're drafting 12th, and, and you go get one next year. I just don't see that. That's what I see happening this year. That's why Matthew Stafford, I think that's why we hadn't really all, none of us had thought that far ahead, I don't think, but we all kind of knew Matthew Stafford is the Colts' chance. He's He makes this easy. If they if they get Matthew Stafford, it, it sure is easy. And if they can't get Matthew Stafford, oh my God, is it about to get hard. And oh my God, is it about to get hard. Is there anyone that intrigues you at all of the guys that are potentially, either we know are going to be available or might be available, like, I don't know, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan's the other guy. I I I, I knew there's there's two veterans that you know they weren't terribly exciting, but but weren't bad. And Matt Ryan was the other guy. Um, 
he intrigued. I mean, they intrigue me. You know who really intrigue? They don't. They don't listen. They don't intrigue me. You get Matt Ryan. You get Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know what you're getting. You know, and it's, and it's not bad. It's not bad. It's it's a maybe a step below Philip Rivers was this year. It's not bad. If you want to ask me who intrigues me, um, and I've been down on this guy for months because I never thought it would happen. I never thought it would have to happen, and now it might have to happen. I'm real intrigued by Carson Wentz. And and I don't mean to say that I endorse Carson Wentz coming here, but the word intrigued, hell yeah, I'm really intrigued. I looked at his numbers finally uh, a couple of days ago. For w- Once Stafford was gone, I wrote a story about, well, who's left? I looked at Carson Wentz's numbers. And, you know, his MVP season before he got hurt was obviously special. That was 17. His numbers in 18 and 19 weren't that far off. We're talking like 20, 25 touchdowns, seven or eight picks. You'd take that. Where he fell off the, the cliff was this past year. And Doug Peterson fell off a cliff. The Eagles fell off a cliff. So I don't know if he's, you know, his trajectory is such that he's done because he had a lot of injuries and a concussion, and that adds up. So either he's done, he's done, or he needs a fresh start, and there's a whole lot there. And who better to give him that fresh start than Frank Reich? And I, I say all that to say I, I don't know if he's – again, I'm not endorsing him, but I'm intrigued as hell by Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think what I worry about is, you know, the fact that some of these guys, once they're broken, they're, they're broken. You know what I mean? And I think we've seen – we've seen a couple of players come out and have really big seasons. I remember Derek Carr a couple of years ago, right around there, maybe not 2017. It might've been 2016 had a big season and he was being talked about as potentially MVP. And then, you know, he got hurt and then he kind of comes back and whatever, he's fine. You know, kind of what once was in, in 18 and 19, I guess. Um, Ryan does intrigue me because I, I think he could play at that rivers level or even a little bit better than that, considering that he's a little bit younger um, the problem is, is that unlike Rivers, you're going to have to give up something to get him. You know what I mean? It's not it's not a straight free agency money deal. Um, but I would be willing to at least make a phone call to the Falcons and see if they're thinking about taking a quarterback. I think they have the fourth pick. If they think they're taking the kid from BYU, Wilson or or whoever else, Fields, I don't know, whoever's there. Um, I'd make that phone call and just see, you know, could could he be had for I, I would trade the number 21 for Matt Ryan. Um, a lot of people may be breaking their computer hearing me say that, but I would because I think you could squeeze two or three years out of that and then you can develop the next guy or find the other guy. You know, the Colts are just in a tough spot because they, they need it now. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys, every, every move they make, Greg, is going to be a huge risk, right? You draft Mac Jones or you trade up to get Mac Jones, it's a huge risk. You uh, take on Carson Wentz's contract or Matt Ryan's contract, it's a huge risk. You know what I mean? For sure. And I'm looking at Matt Ryan's numbers right now, and he's not – I mean, he had that one – he's had one outlier of a season, one, and that was the MVP season. He was unbelievable. But you take away that, he's been almost the same guy, almost the same guy for 10 years, and that includes last year. So he hasn't – Again, take away the MVP thing from five years ago. That was off the charts. He's been the same guy ever since. And that same guy had numbers very similar to Philip Rivers this past year. Very similar. Now, you say there's two. There's a difference between him and Rivers. And, and I thought you were going to say this difference. So it's a different one. Than, I've got a different one than you. Yes, you're right. They'll have to trade something to get him. Also, he doesn't know the system. Rivers came in and knew True. it and stepped right yep. in. Um, Ryan won't. However, 
However, no one's ever said no one's ever said Matt Ryan is not a really smart guy. I mean, I he'll figure it out. It won't be as seamless as Rivers, but he'll figure it out. So, you know, at age thirty-five, the way we see quarterbacks playing, and we don't know him at all. We don't know what his what his body is like. We don't know what his work ethic is like. We you assume it's all good, but you don't know. But having said that, Aaron Rodgers, four years older than this guy. You know, Tom Brady, who's a freak, but eight years older. So they could, they could, I'd trade 21 for him straight up. I'm with you. If they can get him for 21, just like Buckner, Buckner was worth 13 and then some. Buckner, the Colts got a steal to get Buckner at 13. That's a steal. If Matt Ryan gives them three really good quarterback years, if you get a quarterback for three really good years with the 21st pick in the draft, you won. It's wild because, uh, you know, my, my, the other guy that I host with, Jay Query and I were talking about this the other day, but this is so kind of new for us here in Indianapolis. You know what I mean? Yes, last year we, we kind of had this same discussion, I guess. So we, we went through the 20 offseason the same way where the Colts were looking for a quarterback. But for the most part, Greg, th- this is kind of uncharted territory where I you have no idea. I have no idea what are going to go down. I just know that they need a quarterback. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Jacksonville fans do this every year. You know what I mean? Like Buffalo before Josh Allen, they did this every freaking year. Like I, I would jump out of this window right here. I'd kick it out and jump into my driveway if I had to do this every single year with this position. Yeah, it's it's everything. It's not just it's not a curiosity. You don't just look at it and go, yeah, I'm I'm curious about this position. If you're a Colts fan, if you're a Colts fan, this is your entire season. This is you you get this. I mean, this one decision is almost more important than 16 games because this one decision impacts all 16 games in a way that one receiver and one tackle and one even important position like defensive end doesn't impact, doesn't impact six. There's a reason quarterbacks are MVPs mm-hmm. and it, it sucks for everybody else, but there's a reason they're MVPs and Heisman Trophy winners for the most part, because they are that important, especially this is not football in the seventies where they're throwing the ball 15 times and handing it off 50 this is, I mean, they are everything in this league and it's only getting bigger. So yeah, it's a, it's a nauseating thing. And imagine being Bauer and Reich. I mean, they must be literally nauseated to be going through this right now. Was there anything that Ursay said last week, a couple of days ago that, that jumped out to you about maybe not even necessarily this process, but just in general? Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that he said, well, it's all been well-documented, but it's, it's shocking. He, he did. He said two things that were kind of shocking. One is he went on and on and on, on about Andrew Luck. I mean, j- just shocking that he would – shocking that he would five different times. And you could you could say it was six or seven because he started making analogies and talking about Jordan and retirement. So you're not really sure exactly how many times he came out and said it. But I counted in my story I wrote about it that five different times, five times, he asked for Andrew Luck – he told Andrew Luck, if you want back, it, the job is yours. Um, so that wasn't just a guy – that wasn't just a guy kind of musing, like, yeah, if he came back, we'd take him, and he moved on. He made it very, very clear. We want you, and I mean, that was basically, he, that was an open letter to Andrew Luck. That that wasn't just an owner kind of saying what we all think is, yeah, he'd be pretty good. That was the owner of the Indianapolis Colts begging Andrew Luck to come back. You can't overstate that. You just can't do it. And then also, kind of, an oh, an, an, by the way, see, I, listen, I, I'm listening to Ursay, and I'm watching him talk on the Zoom thing, and about two-thirds of the way through it, he had said so many times that that we're not going to draft a quarterback, that we're going to go out and get a veteran. He had made that clear so many times that I got on Twitter and said, talking to Ursay right now, he's saying some crazy stuff, you know, call him coming. And then he was asked about Andrew Luck and said what he said. 
he had already said craziness. And then he says Andrew Luck, and it kind of it sort of blows away what he'd said earlier. When what he'd said earlier was, I mean, he'd said all the stuff to, to hedge. And, yeah, ideally you get him in the draft, and wouldn't that be great? And just like I think, ideally I'd get a pony, and wouldn't that be great? But he made it very <laughs> clear, we're getting a veteran, we're plugging him in, that's the way it's going to go. And then, oh, by the way, at the end, that, that veteran sure would be nice if it was Andrew Luck. That's what he was saying. <laughs> I love those pressers with him because it's kind of like just one big run on sentence. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, I love how he he's as forthright, I think, as he can be. And there are a lot of owners that would be misleading or intentionally vague. And I don't think he does any of that. So I've, I've always kind of appreciated it. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, wh- why is Derek Carr? I mean, I'm looking at Derek Carr's numbers and he's only 29. His numbers are ascending. The, the efficiency numbers, the number, like touchdowns, interceptions, those come and go. But your quarterback rating, your passer rating, your completion percentage, the numbers that are, you know, those are all ascending. He had career numbers in passer rating and QBR. So whichever one of those you like, he had it. His completion percentage wasn't a, wasn't a career high, but it was damn close, 67%. Touchdown to picks, 27 to 9. You know, that's uh, why is he even being discussed as being on the market? Because I'd take him in a heartbeat for 21 if I get him. Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually not – Sure. Um, the Raiders might think that, hey, if we can get two number ones for Derek Carr or something somewhat similar to the Stafford deal, um, let's just move on from him. You know what I mean? The Lions aren't didn't move on from Matt Stafford because they felt like he couldn't play. They, they moved on from him because they weren't going anywhere. So they figured, hey, let's let's just kind of make this a full rebuild. And, you know, with all these situations, Greg, kind of like, you know, we're talking about Matt Ryan earlier we're kind of speaking out of school because I don't know all the inner workings of the Falcons and, you know, what kind of their philosophy and blueprint is here moving forward. Ditto for the Raiders. But I I think that his name has been popped up a lot as, oh, they should include him in the uh, Deshaun Watson deal if there is one. Or, hey, the Bears really want Derek Carr and could we get two picks from the Bears for him? I I think his name's just, for whatever reason, been one of those that is out there. Okay, yeah, and then, then in other words, the Colts aren't going to get him. They're, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a Jared Goff to send. They don't have a Deshaun Watson to send. They, they've got no way to help Oakland find a quarterback. And sending them the 21st pick this year and a, maybe a first-rounder next year, maybe the Raiders can spin that into the, to a top-five pick. I don't know, but he's he can't be available. There's just I mean, the Raiders would be stupid to make him available, A, unless they got back Watson or somebody like that, and the Colts don't have enough to get him. So take him off the list. I'm back to – I take Ryan for 21, um, but I am absolutely fascinated by – horrified, but also fascinated by Carson Wentz. Take this with a gigantic grain of salt, but I saw something last night where Matt Miller, a guy who was with Bleacher Report for a long time, he's now on his own. He did – he invited like 32 people, I think readers actually, to do a, a, a basically a mock draft, and everybody made a selection for a team that they liked. And uh, whoever picked for the Colts, I have no idea who it was, traded up from 21 – plus another first-rounder, plus Julian Blackman to get Mac Jones at number 10. And I thought, I, uh, there's just no way, I don't think that Boward would be that aggressive, um, specifically with a rookie quarterback, I wouldn't think. So two picks, this pick and next year's first, two of them. Yeah. Julian Blackman, who will be a pro bowler. Yeah. So three premium assets. To, to move to up 11 spots. To draft a quarterback who started for just one year in college and started behind and with the best accumulation of talent of all time. 
And we're just going to assume that the quarterback is that good. And Mac Jones might be. He might be. But it's kind of like Gino Toretta back in the day at Miami when Toretta had the best line, the best receivers. They're all going to the pros. Gino Toretta won the Heisman that year. And Gino Toretta sucked. But you didn't know it because he it was like playing a college ball against high school. Alabama was an NFL team. He was on an NFL team playing college kids. And he looked great. And he might be great. This is not just like I'm not saying go get Carson Wentz. I'm not saying go avoid Mac Jones, but it tickles me that people who really don't know, and that means, and including me, but people at a level beyond me, even even less than me, people who don't really know, because none of us know, but don't also have the logic that unfortunately I have to actually ask these questions of yourselves and say, Mac Jones, let's go get, really? Mac jo- That's why I say, if you can get Matthew Ryan, Matt Ryan for the 21st pick, you know what you're getting? God damn it, go, sorry, but go get him. Don't tell me Mac Jones. Mac Jones? Mac Jones could be out of the league in three years. Mac Jones could be all pro in three years. You don't know. The Colts are too good next year to not know. They need to know. Like, if you like his accuracy or, you know, some of his attributes, that's fine. But I had one guy tweet me, well, Mac Jones is a proven winner. Everybody wins at Bama. (laughs) I'd be a proven winner at Bama. You know what I mean? Like, no offense to Mac Jones, but come on, man. Like, A.J. McCarron was a a proven winner. Tim Tebow was a proven winner. Matt Leinart was a proven winner. Kellen Moore, you know, all those guys. Gino Toretta was a proven winner. I just, you know, the the term winner to me, that that doesn't weigh into it at all. Um, Let's shift gears into basketball. Not a great month for the Pacers. I loved your article about the blackout because I'm I'm suffering from that. Um, I, I feel like I'm... You know, you can only really gather so much, and Mark Boyle does a great job. But if you're listening to the radio broadcast, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I need to see it. And I haven't been able to really see or watch the Pacers play this year because I'm, I have Hulu. And I, before that, I had YouTube TV, and it doesn't matter. Both FS Indiana is off of both of those. Um, so I don't feel like I'm as, you know, not that I was ever like quote unquote expert opinion with the Pacers, but I've, I feel a little worse about the fact that I haven't been able to watch them this year, but still seven and eight in January. And it just feels like they're kind of, I don't know, floundering's not the right word, but they're just whatever, Greg, you know what I mean? Like they're stuck in this vortex of, yeah, okay. They're fine. They're pretty good. When they get Levert back, if he comes back, they'll be fine. If Warren comes back fine, maybe they're building towards something, but I, I don't know. I apathy's kind of creeping in for me a little bit. Listen, there's a, there's a lot to say here. Um, on and off the court. Let's go on real quick. The Pacers are playing. Granted, the Sixers were without Joel Embiid. There, there is no excuse for that loss. You're up 20 against a Sixers team that this year was 0-4 without Embiid. You're up 20. Sixers can't win without him, and they beat you anyway late in the third quarter. Th- that can't happen. There, no excuse for that. So what I'm about to say, what I'm about to say doesn't excuse that loss. However, the Sixers, I'm sorry, the Pacers have a starting, they don't have a star player. They kind of like Purdue, and I wrote this the other day. They don't have a star player. They have a star team. They have a star starting five. Not one of them is going to be, you know, all NBA first three teams, but all, all of them are really, really good. And they're without two of them right now. And they've been without three for a while. You know, Tar- Turner's been out. Sabonis was injured. But right now, they're without two. They're without Levert slash Oladipo, whoever the guy is, Levert now. They're without Levert. They're without TJ Warren. That's, you know, and they're still above 500. I, it's just, Nobody wants to hear this because you want a hard stance right now, but right now the stance is to wait. We just we got to wait for these guys to get healthy. Um, however, again, the Sixers lost, no excuse. Off the court, the Indiana, the Fox Sports Indiana, and, and I feel bad for Fox Sports Indiana. I do, because this is not their fault. 
Uh, and I see that through my prism. People get mad at the Indy Star because of things we're doing with deadlines, with delivery, with whatever it is you want to get mad at us about, you get mad at us about. And almost every single thing people are mad at us about is something that Gannett has done, a decision my corporate bosses have done. And I'm not ripping Gannett. I mean, they've, they've got to do what they've got to do, yeah. but we're the ones that take the heat for it. So I understand Fox Sports Indiana, they didn't do anything wrong. They're just owned by people that did Sinclair that did this. However, Fox Sports Indiana people, and they're tr- they're trying, but um, you know, on Twitter, they're tweeting out things, you know, trying to help people find a station and all that. They're putting out statements by Sinclair about how Sinclair is trying to get fair deals and AT&T will come to a deal, but Hulu and you, stop it. I don't want to hear about it. Sinclair's the bad guy here. There's no, you know, I wrote the story the other night about this and, and I kind of wrote it and, and, and I always learn about my own feelings about topics as I go along. I really do. I, that's why my stories are so emotional is that I really don't think too much. I know I want to say something. I know I do. And I really don't know what I'm going to say. And in fact, a little segue, um, I have a word document, you know, my word document is called by Greg Doyle, by Greg Doyle. And that's my empty template. It's got the date line. It's got my tagline. Follow me on Twitter. It's got all that th- stuff. And then I, I I call that up and I save it as whatever I'm writing about. So IU Illinois or or Pacers on on TV, whatever. So, but that that blank document, the template has one line above my byline. It says by Greg Doyle and Star. Above that, I write the words. I wonder what I'll write today because I really don't know. And I, and I like reading that because I like remembering that I really don't know what I'm going to say. So I started this story about about Hulu and. Fox Sports Indiana and Sinclair really not knowing what I was going to say. And by the end of the story, I'd concluded, you know, after thinking about it hard for an hour and, and thinking about it, you know, it's kind of not hard for weeks, mm-hmm. but thinking about it like a laser for an hour. At the end of the story, I'm like, Sinclair, this is your fault. You're the bad guy here. And I've got no problem with that. And I, and I and, you know, when I write a story like that and I realize that's my opinion, that doesn't change. Like that's where I am. And uh, Sinclair, this is your fault. So Fox Sports Indiana, it's not your fault. It's your boss's fault, but it's your fault. So fix this. And it's nationwide, though. Thing is, Sinclair yeah. can't fix Fox Sports Indiana. They can't give it to us. It's Fox Sports Indiana can't do anything. Sinclair Indiana, Sinclair owns the rights to half the NBA, half of them. So half the NBA is right is like us. They can't. Their fans can't stream games. A lot of Major League Baseball teams, a lot of hockey teams, right now in hockey can't watch either. This is so much bigger than us. But that doesn't help us. It doesn't make me feel any better because I got Hulu too. Yeah, and then you get League Pass, and if you're in the market like we are, you're blacked out. <laughs> it's like, you know, there, there's no workaround, and it's just, it, it's extremely frustrating because you know this, Greg, and I think it's why it pisses you off so much. Uh, these fights that happen, we're the ones that always end up losing. You know what I mean? The fans, the viewers, the listeners, whatever else, are the ones that end up the losers in this. Oh, gosh, they don't, nobody cares. I mean, nobody cares about us. They, they, they don't. Um they care about the bottom. I like Gannett. You know, Gannett cares about readers. And we all understand that. See, Gannett is in a situation with my newspaper where, where we realize that it's precarious right now. Like readers are kind of revolting and and, cha- and changing the way they view things and all that. And so we, we're trying to, I mean, we're trying to be customer friendly, as friendly as we can. We're trying. I'm not sure Sinclair's there yet. I don't think they realize that people are getting away. The cord cutting is real. Like, you know, we all knew in newspapers, we all knew the internet was real and we all knew that readers were changing their reading habits. But about five, six years ago, it got real. Like, oh my God, we could all be out of business if we don't fix some things. I don't think Sinclair's there yet. And they're on, they're on the edge right now. And Sinclair, I'm telling you, you could be out of business. You, you're a 50 year old company with all this stuff, but you, you could lose a lot. I mean, this could crush you 
if you don't do the right thing by us, because all of us could revolt. We could all revolt and decide, no thanks. And if we all, if we all do that, you're out. Thankfully, we still have, uh, at least I do, on Hulu, Big Ten Network and FS1 and some of the channels to watch Purdue and Indiana basketball. Both of those teams in action tonight, Purdue taking on Maryland. We're taping this right now on Tuesday. Uh, and then Indiana, after a week and a half off after losing to Rutgers, um, is in action tonight against Illinois. Um, I wanted to talk about Purdue, though, Greg, because you mentioned last week that you felt like this could be a national title team uh, next year. And then they have the game against Minnesota where they look terrible in the first half and then they look amazing in the second half. And it, it's more the same thing. You know, Jaden Ivey makes a big play. Brandon Newman drops 28. Uh, Mason Gillis continues to kind of be the X factor guy for them. Uh, every time I watch them, I'm just even more impressed. And I just think it's commendable to Matt Painter that they always just grow and develop where at this point of the year, as the calendar turns to February, this is always the time that it feels like Purdue shifts it into gear. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and different coaches have different strengths, and and you know they all. There's a reason all these guys are are coaching a Big Ten team. They've ascended to this level, and for Matt Painter, what he does really well, the reason he's kept his job for 15, 20 years, the reason he has really lifetime security, he'll 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 leave this job when he's ready, is that his. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest ones is he develops his players. They 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 don't just get better year to year. Although all you got to do is you know look at his roster of the last 20 year, 10 years and look at every player on a year-by-year basis. And they do what college players ought to do if handled correctly. They all get better. Uh, he does that. But they get better during the season. They just they grow comfortable. I don't know if it's because – I don't know if his system is easy enough that they can just let their talent shine. I have no idea. I don't know how he does it. You know, if I, if I knew that, I'd be making three million years as a college basketball coach myself. I don't know what he's doing. I just know he's doing it. And so they get better by the game at times. And this team is so young, it's room for growth, not only from this year to next year, which is what I was writing about, but from this year to this year, it's room for growth is just kind of staggering. And they're in good hands with Painter. And, uh, you know, I don't see Final Four this year. I, mean, I don't see it at all. Um, I think they could get to the guy- second weekend. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, they're good, they're good enough that you don't you don't want to play them in the first round or two. If I mean, just like everybody else, if they're hitting some shots, if their big men aren't in foul trouble, you don't want to see them. And that that holds true for everybody. I get it. But if everybody in America is hitting their shots, and if everybody in America, their big men are, are staying out of foul trouble, Purdue's better than almost all of them. I mean, he, they're they're that good. Uh, and I don't mean top final four good, but they're they're a team you don't want to see in the first two rounds. Absolutely. I actually talked to Painter a couple of days ago for a, a thing that I'm doing, and I asked him, have you thought about when you want to, you know, he's 50, so he's still young, but I asked him, you know, have you thought about how long you want to keep doing this? And he, he basically said, look, as long as I'm enjoying it and all of that, then I'm just going to keep going. And I agree with you, Greg. I mean, at this point, he's only, a, I think about, he might be fewer than 10 years away from catching Gene Cady for as long as, I, I think Cady did 26 years. So Painter's at 15 or 16 right now, which, which is kind of weird to think about because I still think of him as the you know head coach in waiting almost that first year and then being at Southern Illinois. It feels weird that he's been there for almost two decades. Yeah, he's and he, he still seems young. And, you know, the, Purdue will put out – they have game notes and, and they – Chris Foreman does. I mean, uh, unbelievable job. And every now and then I'll send him a text message saying, you're, you're the best there is. You, you are the best there is. And not just out of the blue to kiss his butt, but he'll do something that makes me realize you're the best there is. Um, but their game notes, it'll, I don't think it does it anymore with Painter. Also, in, in a pandemic, I'm not there anymore, so I can't really read them as close as I, as I did last year even. But the game notes, even last year, would say Painter is one of 
10, 10 coaches under this age, whatever the age was, to accomplish this goal. And 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 I'm like, he's young still, or not? He's not young, young, but he's still. You're still giving. Like, it's just amazing that he's accomplishing things under certain ages that no one else is doing, which means he hasn't even gotten old yet. I mean, he's going to be here for 10, 15 years if he wants to. He's going to win so many games. And he lives, and I don't really know how he lives, but you can just look at him and kind of assume he lives such a low-stress lifestyle, as low-stress as you can have, which is not much. But for college basketball coaches, he coaches and lives and acts in a way that you don't think, like some of these guys, Archie Miller, he's living dog years. I mean, just – I mean, on the court. I mean, in practice. You can just tell by looking at him. Those are dog years. I mean, he's so intense. Painter's intense, too, but not dog year intense. So he could he could do this. I don't know what the numbers are, but, I mean, he could end up – I mean, if he approaches Bob Knight, wouldn't surprise me. Would not surprise me. Yeah, I got to look and see where he's at win total-wise. But if you keep cranking out, you know, 24, 25 wins every single year, then – you know, if we're talking, he coaches at least another 15 years. You start getting up into that rarefied air. Um, you have a Super Bowl pick. I have to, like, recharge myself up for the Super Bowl. The layoff, I kind of forget about it. And then, you know, I come back to it. And I, I have to, like, re-excite myself this week for this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my pick is my pick is that Tom Brady's not in the Super Bowl. That's my pick. Because <laughs> my, my pick is always my preference. Like, I'm not a better, so I'm not really trying to figure out who's going to win. It's all about my heart. Like, who do I want to see win? My pick is that Tom Brady's not here. Um, but he is here. So my pick is that um, is the Chiefs win by 40. That That is my prediction. The Chiefs are going to win by 40. Brady, and Tom Brady will then retire and go away. It's I know you hate him. It really is. It's an incredible story. And they've got a great defense. But, you know, all year long, Greg, we've been like, oh, you know, the Bills might be the best team or the Packers might be the best team. The Chiefs have been the best team all year long. The Chiefs have been the best team in the NFL for two years running. And I just I don't see how they lose this game, really. Um, I just think that they're better than everybody else. So I like them by 10 plus. Honestly, I think the line is as small as it is because people want to give Brady the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know, maybe they're reading into the Tampa defense, but. You know, I, th- I think the Chiefs win by two scores. You know, I what we're seeing in this 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 matchup, it 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 it's an illustration, an example of of the way you can cut corners to be great in the NFL. You don't have to do this. It's not a you better do this or you're going to lose, but it does help. And if you're not going to do what these teams have done, you're competing against teams that will cross a line you won't cross. And here I'm talking about character. The Colts to now under Ballard have not crossed that line. Have they all been angels? No, I'm sure guys have, there's been a guy here, there, whatever. There's been something. We've not had a Tyreek Hill. And if we did have him, he wouldn't be here anymore. We've not had a Tom Brady, a guy who got caught cheating, suspended four games, has probably been cheating his whole career, but he's so good. We're going to bring him back. We don't have Antonio Brown. We could have, the Colts could have, don't have him. I just I look at the way, and the Chiefs have had guy after guy after guy. Patrick Mahomes is wonderful, and and Kelsey's wonderful, and there's wonderful guys there. But the Chiefs have had guy after guy after guy that you look at and say you're getting away with that because you're that good, and because people like Andy Reid, and because Mahomes is lovable, and so you can have Tyree Kill, and I'm I'm leaving out a couple guys they've had. Antonio Brown, screw you, Bucks, D- screw you guys. I mean, sc- Antonio Brown, <laughs> screw you. So. <laughs> When I say I want the Chiefs to win by 40, I meant at halftime. I meant at halftime I want the Chiefs to win by 40. In the second half, I want them to then run up the score. 
they're becoming, I think, the Warriors. I think this is the last one where people are like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs are kind of a cute story. I, I think people are starting to really kind of tire of them, and they're going to continue to tire of their dominance um, because I think this is going to be like a – I think this is going to be at least like a three Super Bowl-type window here for them. Um, they're they're really, really good. But you look around the league, and it, it's, it's why the Colts are in a tough situation. There are a lot of teams that look really good that are building towards contending right now if they're not already contenders. Check out Greg's latest work, uh, not only about Sinclair, but about Nate Bjorkren. There was a really good read about how he reacted to the Sixers game and the differences between he and Nate McMillan, if you haven't checked that out yet. What are you working on for this week? Are you do, are you doing anything for tonight's games? IU Illinois tonight at 7. I'm going to write something for uh, Tuesday night. I'm going to write something for Sunday. I mean, I got a couple more games this week, but uh, for Sunday, I'm going to write a football story. Probably, definitely Colts, but I got a lot of topics, so I, I don't know. I'm working on a Colts story for Sunday. And it's not that I don't know what to say. I know what to say, but I, I know what to say about four different things. So, and it, but as I say, as I say in my in my word document, it'll say you know I'll, I'm going to save it. It'll it'll be Colts for Sunday, and the, the template will say by Greg Doyle. And above that, it's going to say, I wonder what I'm writing today, and I'll find out like everybody else. With this podcast, I'm always wondering what you're going to say. So yes, yeah, there's, screw a, there's you, a level boss. of intrigue. Yeah, and <laughs> by the way, Bruce well. Arians, <laughs> screw you, Bruce Arians. Seriously. Oh I, no. I used to like you. I did. I used to like you. But you've got Antonio Brown on your roster. Screw you, too. I, I love you. Bruce Arians. I, I will not accept any Bruce Arians. Screw him. Here on this. How, how many bad guys does he have to coach before you decide, you know what, you're a bad guy, too? How many does he get, Derek? How many free shots does he get? A great guy. How many times, how many times does Patrick Reed get to lose a ball in the woods and find it and kick it with his foot before we decide, you're just a cheater? You're that just a dude. cheater. That dude. I don't even want to talk about that dude. That guy's a trip for sure. We'll see you next time, Greg. All right? All right, Derek. Bye.